contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Two busiest days on the NFL calendar right now. I'll break it all down, what's happening, what's not happening, what my impressions are on some of the major items going on in free agency. But first, this episode is sponsored by the good people at Harry's. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. I am one of three million guys that have switched over to Harry's. They've stripped away the unnecessary features you don't need. You don't need the vibrating handle, the heated blades, all that. And they've stripped away those unnecessary costs. They deliver customers one perfect razor at an amazing price. They're going to give you their trial shave set for free. All you have to do is sign up at harrys.com slash sports, all caps, S-P-O-R-T-S, and all you do is pay for the shipping. So you can claim that free trial today, just a $13 value. All you have to do is sign up. They'll cover everything but the shipping you will get the weighted ergonomic razor handle the five precision engineered blades a lubricating strip a trimmer blade the lathering shave gel that smells great i've never had a cut i love the aftershave it's a good fragrant smell macho not too not too much but good enough and you'll get a travel blade cover all of that go to your go to harrys.com to get your free trial set again that's harrys.com Slash sports, all caps, S-P-O-R-T-S. Harry's, a great shave at a fair price. Hey, guys, I'm just going to start ranting. I mean, it's the busiest day of the NFL spending season, the busiest day in the business of football, and it's not even free agency. I was trying to wait to record my Brant's rants, record my business of sports podcast until at least the NFL free agency trading period began, but it just can't wait. It's just so much going on. Wanted to rant about it, give you all my thoughts. I know people have been asking me on Twitter and leaving these voicemail messages, which I'll get to, about what are my impressions of all this happening in the NFL. I'll get to all those. I want to talk through, but everyone's asking, so why does this happen so fast now? What we've come to is NFL free agency, as I record this on Wednesday, the day that it starts, March 14th at 4 p.m., and I'm well before 4 p.m., seems like 4 p.m. has become the deadline rather than the beginning. It's almost like this is happening so fast because teams are hyper-competitive. There's so much testosterone out there. No one wants to be left behind. I don't know the answer. Is the answer to start free agency earlier? Well, if you did, whatever period before, with or without this sort of legal tampering period, deals would be agreed to. And NFL media, along with everyone else, would be reporting it. So I don't know if the answer is moving it up, getting rid of the legal tampering period, starting it even after the Super Bowl, starting it at the Combine. No matter what solution you would come up with, I think you'd have these deals announced, not announced, but reported beforehand, whether that's two days beforehand, one day beforehand, whatever it is. That's what we're dealing with here. I don't have a solution to that, but I do think what we should really sort of is is say to each other, and this is the NFL, we should say to them, let's all be adults here. <laughs> let's just not really worry about timing uh, because once the season ends, game on. You know, once the Super Bowl's over, and in some cases way before the Super Bowl, it's game on. Players know their contract is up at the end of February, early March, and... 
everyone, take it outside of the sports context. If you're in a business and you know you're no longer be contractually committed to your employer in a month or two months, you want to take care of your family. You want to know what you're going to be doing. You want to survey the options. You want to have potentially a deal in place to go to a new employer, especially, especially if you know your employer wants to move on or you get that sense. So I'm not shocked that this happens every year. Listen, back in the day, and I sound like it's ancient history, but it's just like 10 years ago, when I was managing cap and player finance for both the Packers for many years, I consulted with the Eagles for a couple of years, this thing started at midnight. So we would take naps late in the day and sort of get up and go to the office at midnight and monitor free agency. Not that we were big players, certainly in Green Bay. But we at least wanted to monitor it. And I'd be in there, you know, 11 o'clock central time watching what was happening. Those first deals off the wire would be huge, as always. And then it would be more more robust. It seemed for a longer period of time. What has happened now is, first of all, it doesn't start at midnight. It starts at 4 p.m. But all, all the big free agents are basically done by the time you get there. So what free agency has become in my mind is a free-for-all, what I used to call the stupid spending period, stupid money period of the first 24 to 48 hours. Maybe that's even more condensed than that, where you have the golden ticket winners every year. And who are they this year? Well, we'll go into them, whether it's Andrew Norwell or Kirk Cousins or, or Sammy Watkins or Malcolm Butler or Tremaine Johnson. You know, they tend to be the golden ticket winners every year. Then... And that may come sooner than ever this year. That may come by the time actual free agency starts this year. You have what I call the musical chairs portion of free agency, where people are jumping in worrying that if they don't get a seat at the table now, they may not get one later. And this is where it gets uncomfortable for both players, agents, and teams. Because, for instance, you'll have a team miss on the guy they really want at a position, and then they'll sort of go to the next guy and probably overpay. Or a player doesn't get the team he really wants, and he'll go to the next team, which really isn't a fit. The other thing that has changed so much from the past is visits. Visits now are so, so retro, so 2014 or whatever it is. We don't have visits anymore. Now, you can say, well, the money determines it. Of course it does. But you're not really getting on the board. You know, what visits are about is more than, you know, seeing the city, seeing the facility, having a nice dinner, taking the wife or the girlfriend out to see housing, whatever it is. Visits are about, are you going to fit with this employer? Are you going to get on the board? And that's really what we did with visits. Put them in a room with the coaches, get on the whiteboard and see if both sides are comfortable with the scheme and comfortable with plug and play. Free agency in the NFL is not seamless like it is in baseball, where you're a hitter, you're a pitcher, or even basketball, where most players can fit in as power forwards or small forwards, whatever it is. Football is schematic, 3-4-4-3, cover two, Tampa zone, whatever it is, are they going to fit? And you see so many examples of ones who don't. The biggest illustration of that is the waiver wire the past two weeks, a lot of those big free agent signings from um, yesteryear are on the waiver wire, even some one year in. Like Chris Baker was signed last year with the, the Bucks, big free agent deal, out after one year. 
So sometimes that really happens. That's why, of course, in my time at Green Bay, we were not the most active team in free agency. Some would argue the least active team, although I remember many nights working on players like Charles Woodson. Uh, so we did. We certainly did venture into free agency, and they have this year, which I'll get into. But those are early impressions on free agency. Before we get to the specific players and teams, I think there's a ton of spending going on. As I talked about with my Salary Cap 101 pod last week, you know, first of all, you have to realize the spending is not what it appears to be because minimum spending is based on an uh, actual cap of $177 million and the percentages, not really the adjusted caps. You have several teams, including Broncos, 49ers, Jaguars, Titans, uh, Jets, Vikings, all in the $200 million range this year. Not the $177 million range because they've been rolling over cap. Now, they'll be, uh, they'll be judged after four years on the actual caps, not the adjusted caps. I went into that in the most recent pod, Salary Cap Pod, so please take a listen to that um, to get a real primer on how it's judged. And, of course, these contracts, I'll say right away, uh, when we look at contracts, obviously the guarantee is the guarantee. Sometimes the guarantee is not the guarantee. We'll see a big number guaranteed, and that may not be the true guarantee because it's contingent on being on the roster. It's an injury guarantee that converts to a full guarantee in 2019 or 2020. Those are the things to look for in the true guarantee. But, you know, we'll see the splashy numbers. That happens every year. It's something we can't avoid. It's something uh, media, television producers, digital assignment editors, that's what they want. And, of course, it's something the agents want, and most of the information out there comes from agents. So those are some basic thoughts. Let's get some specific deals. And speaking of guarantees, we'll talk about Kirk Cousins first. I have not joined the bandwagon all along about Kirk Cousins getting some monster crazy contract that will break all barriers. And I may be wrong, but let's see what this contract is. Uh, And I say let's see because the reports a few days ago were Kirk Cousins was going to get a fully guaranteed $90 million deal. Now the reports are a fully guaranteed $84 million deal. $6 million is a lot of money. And so that's different already. And he is the lone person taking a visit, it seems. Here he is taking a visit to Minnesota, which everyone assumes will sign him. If they don't, Kirk Cousins has real problems because every other team seems to have answered its quarterback need with a veteran even before we get to the draft. So we'll see. Uh, I want to see that deal. I mean, is it true guarantee, full guarantee, guaranteed at signing? No contingencies about injury. No contingencies about being on the roster in 2019 or 20. So let's just make sure before. And if it is, uh, everyone's asking me what's the impact. I think the impact of Kirk Cousins getting fully guaranteed deal is this. Maybe players opt for shorter deals. Because right now, the elite players in the league do get up to and including three years full guarantees. Basically, that's what Nindamakan Sue had, and he just got cut. But he had three years, $60 million, the strongest deal for a non-quarterback out there, and he got it. So he got the guaranteed portion. Now he's in the out-of-guarantee part of the contract, and they get rid of him. But 
what if Sue had said, you know, that $60 million you're giving me guaranteed on that whatever $110 million deal, just cut it off there. Cut it off at three. And he would have been in the same spot he is now, but the Dolphins made that choice rather than him making that choice. So maybe the Cousins allows elite players to say, you know, whatever guaranteed your amount you're giving me, if that's two years, three years, let's cut it off. Of course, the teams are going to balk because the reason they're given the big guarantee is to get the number of years. But I can see a highly leveraged player. Uh, who was that going to be? Maybe a Ryan and certainly an Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, whatever you're offering me, if you're offering me 70 guaranteed on a five-year deal, let's just do the 70 guaranteed. Let's do the 70 over three years and I'll be a free agent again. That to me is a powerful contract. Uh, the fact that Cousins got a guarantee level of 84, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe we see shorter contracts. I think about the NBA where superstars have these opt-outs. Not only do they get the great deal, but they can get out and then survey the market and get back in, which LeBron has done in Cleveland and LeBron may do this year to get out of Cleveland. Constantly seeing if the team keeps up its bargain, constantly seeing if there are better deals elsewhere, really taking control of the leverage. So thinking about my old friend Aaron Rodgers, what if they come to him and they say, you know, we're going to make you the highest paid player in the league and $30 million a year and five years or six years. What if he said, okay, I'll just take that $30 million a year, but I'll take it for two or I'll take it for three. What are they going to say? Because then he opens up another bite at the apple when the market for him goes to 35 or 40. So when I start thinking about this Kirk Cousins deal, I'm not shocked by the deal, but it does open up possibilities for not three years fully guaranteed. I mean, not three years of guarantees, which the elite players get now, but three years guaranteed and then it's over. So that's something to watch on Cousins. But again, on Cousins, uh, listen, if it's the full guarantee, kudos to him and Mike McCartney, friend of mine, agent who's done a great job, played it right, got the full guarantee. The only issues I wonder for Cousins are sort of football issues. He's going to a team that just got to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum. So think about that pressure. If they don't get to the Super Bowl, they're not doing what they did with the prior quarterback. No pressure, Kirk. Last comment on the Vikings. They used a first-round pick on a quarterback in 2011, Christian Ponder. They used a first-round pick on the quarterback in 2014, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. They used a first-round pick on the quarterback in 2017, trade for Sam Bradford. And they just made the highest-paid player in the league at quarterback or at any position in 2018 in Cousins. That's a lot of resources on quarterback. Hope they get it right. And uh, and he's playing in a division, of course, with Matthew Stafford and one Aaron Rodgers. So I think, I mean, I think it's no, no one would disagree. He comes in as the third best quarterback in the division, let alone, you know, all the other rankings around the league. So we'll see what happens with Cousins, but kudos to him if he's got that deal. Prove me wrong. 
If he's truly got the full guarantee, we'll see if he does. Other impressions of first day of free agency, which has not happened yet, but I got to just give you my rants. First of all, kudos to a couple of receivers. Allen Robinson coming off a, a serious knee injury. Sammy Watkins coming off an uneven performance in his first four years. Those guys got, uh, in Robinson's case, 42 over 3, 14. I think he's got uh, 29 over 2. That's pretty secure. Uh, in terms of Watkins, strong deal, 16 average, 48 over 3, uh, 30 full guarantee at signing, strong deals. What I'm seeing is a couple things. They're strong deals for the numbers, but here's why they're really strong deals. Three years, just what I talked about with the Cousins. They will be free agents at age 27. They're both 24. They will have another bite at the free agency apple. They may have two more bites at the free agency apple. This is what Larry Fitzgerald did so well. Short deals. Continue to play the market. Continue to pace up. Continue to push forward with the, with the market numbers. Strong deals for the numbers, but even more so for the length. Three-year deals for those two guys. They will be jumping the market again, assuming they play, as everyone thinks they will. Certainly as the Chiefs with Watkins and the Bears with Robinson think they can play. Strong deals because of length. They recognize the power of free agency. Kudos on those deals. The wide receiver market jumped up higher. You saw other strong deals for Amendola, for Ryan Grant, for some of these players. You're like, wow, Paul Richardson with the Redskins, $40 million over uh, $5, 20000000 million guarantee, which it's, of course, as you know, that's a $20 million deal, and we'll see about the rest. But for Paul Richardson, who got cut strong. So uh, these are strong deals for the receivers, and we'll see what comes out of them. But uh, that's a position that has jumped. And you, you really wonder about early deals uh, for Devontae Adams, again, the power of Aaron Rodgers. He took a deal within seeing the finish line for free agency where I think he could have jumped both those deals. So... The signing, the the power of free agency, Devontae Adams, I think he did a four-year deal. So these guys will get free agent deals twice before Devontae Adams gets it once. Again, the power of free agency, the power of bidding, the power of taking a chance on yourself, as the three players I've talked about so far have, Robinson, Watkins, and Cousins, not doing early deals. You see what what they can do market-wise. Other impressions, speaking of one position that's, that's going north, one continues to go south. I talk about this a lot, the, the running back position. We're just seeing some deals come in for Deion Lewis and Carlos Hyde in the $5 million range. They become the highest paid running backs in the league besides Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's a market unto himself. But what we're seeing, we've had releases in the past week. DeMarco Murray, of Doug Martin, of Adrian Peterson. That veteran running back market has cratered. It's over. So basically, we have two markets in the NFL, now three. We have Le'Veon Bell, we have rookie contracts, and then we have this mid-tier market topping out at four to five a year. Really, the devaluation of running back continues. You know, we'll see if these young running backs... The Elliots, of course, and the McCaffreys and Fournettes eventually get those huge deals. Or we'll see if they have drop-offs in their third or fourth years and don't. 
But wow, what a position about devaluing. I think, and speaking of devaluing, all these trades that have gone on, uh, and I'm not talking about the young players like Marcus Peters, who, who netted a second-round pick. Uh, but I'm talking about some of these older veterans, these trades, just so low value. Robert Quinn basically for a fourth. Michael Bennett basically for a fifth. Alec Ogletree, fourth and seventh. Javarvis Landry is not even an old player, but for a fourth and seventh. Akib Tlaib, I think it was a fifth. I mean – what we're seeing is a couple things, devaluation of older veterans, the value of draft picks, you get them so much cheaper and longer, and the value of draft picks and trade compensation where, yeah, these guys are getting traded, but they're not getting traded for much. It's like the NBA salary dumps where they're just sort of giving you low-round picks to take on those salaries. It's really an interesting phenomenon. And speaking of devaluing, Richard Sherman doing his own deal after getting cut couple comments on that. I know there's been some agent-fueled kind of uh, bashing of the deal. Obviously, agents are upset. They don't like players not using agents. And uh, Richard Sherman has Russell Okung, both those guys on the NFLPA Executive Council. So they obviously have help from the union in doing those deals. But, you know, Sherman's deal is not the most secure, of course. San Francisco's tough on – you know, they have April 1 dates instead of first day of league year in March in terms of uh, trigger dates, and that's been for everyone. Colin Kaepernick, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo's got two years secure. Uh, not even that, but we expect two years before it's a conditional contract. So, yeah, I think Richard Sherman, you know, had some suggestions from people about trying to get more secure, and he was unable to do that. I get it. Parag Marate is a tough negotiator with the 49ers, has set some strong precedents. But let's look at Sherman's deal in another way. He gets $3 million bonus, $2 million salary. $2 million salary is secure. He's not going to get cut. Uh, so that's $5 million. $5 million for just rehabbing, okay? So Richard Sherman, coming off an Achilles, just got cut, gets $5 million for just rehabbing with the 49ers. If he's not on PUP, if he's on the roster – in September and active and not injured, then he's up to seven million because it's two million bonus then. So that's seven million. And then of course if he plays the active roster bonuses, he can make nine million. Nine million for a guy coming off an Achilles is pretty strong. And then incentives to take him all the way above what he made last year, eleven, or what he's supposed to make with the Seahawks, twelve. So he can make twelve uh, total potential. So listen, I get the bashing, you know, of course, agents don't like it, but he's making 5 million for rehabbing. He's making 7 million if he's ready to go at the start of the season and he could make nine and it could make 12. So, uh, the, the Sherman bashing to me was over the top. Other impressions on this busiest time of the year in the business of football, uh, Business of Football Hall of Famer Sam Bradford, somehow, some way, he does it every kudos to Tom Condon. A year deal, fifteen million guaranteed, could be twenty with the Cardinals. Sam Bradford now has career earnings over one hundred and fifty million dollars. He is a winner in the business of football. He has been, depending on what you believe, what your sense of him is, uh, average to above average quarterback, and he kills it with every contract with every team. 
obviously killed it due to the rookie uh, CBA before the present one where he was a bonus baby back with the Rams. Strong deal with the Eagles. Strong deal with the Vikings that came off the Eagles deal. And then, of course, now with the Cardinals. Four teams. Uh, Tom Condon did a deal yesterday with both guys yesterday with sort of one-year option plus – I'm sorry, one-year plus option deals for two of his clients, Sam Bradford and Drew Brees. And they're not that much different. Uh, (laughs) Sam Bradford, Business of Football Hall of Famer. I put in that category too, a backup quarterback. Chase Daniel gets another strong deal. I didn't even uh, – he with the Bears, he's gotten them from the Eagles and the Saints and the Chiefs as well. Another business football Hall of Famer who's barely played at all and is over $25 million in career earnings. That'll go up to 35 Chase Daniel, business football Hall of Famer. Another note on Breeze, he basically has one year guaranteed. I just don't understand why he can't get two years guaranteed from the Saints. He is the face of that franchise for so long, the best player in their history, yet continues to do what I see as an undermarket deal, kind of the Tom Brady way. In New England, Tom Brady's so underpaid year after year, uh, and uh, yeah, and it's not because he's got a rich wife. No, come on, please. But Breeze, uh, probably the hardest negotiation Tom Condon has ever had to do. He was going to be a free agent, but sure, he's not going anywhere. Tom knew that, Drew knew that, and more importantly, the Saints knew that. Zero leverage there. Other things, the Jaguars spending their money interior line. I see them sort of modeling the Eagles. The Eagles have a top two or three offensive line, top two or three defensive line. Jags are there on the defensive line, want to get there on the offensive line. Huge money for Andrew Norwell. Spending their money there, up the middle, hard, smash-mouth team in Florida. Uh, that's where they're going to continue to go, and uh, we'll see if it pays off. Other notes, um, I think what's important to note is my former team is getting into free agency. Listen, I I said Packers get a bad rap for being complete outliers in free agency, where other teams sit on the sidelines too but don't get that rap. And they've jumped in with Jimmy Graham, and they've jumped in with Mo Wilkerson. Uh, Graham is a strong deal. For the second year in a row, they signed the top tight end in the market. Last year, Martellus Bennett didn't work out so well. I know people don't want to bring that up as Packer fans. They're doing it again, top tight end in the market. Jimmy Graham, more like a tall wide receiver. We'll see what they do replacing Jordy Nelson, which is a sad day in Packer land. What a wonderful player for the Packers. What a wonderful, wonderful player and person. And I know there's a lot of sadness there, but he'll find a job. The one thing about the Packers, they have personnel staff and coaching staff all over the league. A lot of them love Jordy Nelson. He's off to Oakland where Reggie McKenzie is, where Edgar Bennett, his former coach, is now offensive coordinator there. So I would think that's a likely landing spot for Jordy. We'll see what happens with him. But again, Packers on the board in free agency. Brian Gutekunst coming in, understanding that Packer Nation was frustrated by Ted Thompson's unwillingness to tread those waters very much. Uh, Brian is, by the way, a disciple (laughs) of Ted Thompson. So I wouldn't expect too much. That's his mentor. Brian's the mentee. Know him well. Saw him, Ed, working so much. Um, Those are some initial impressions uh, of the first day of free agency, which was the first day before free agency. 
And now a new feature on the Business of Sports podcast, them giving people what they want. People have asked me, is there a way to have me answer questions? And instead of reading them, I thought I'd play them. So I established a voicemail that people can call in. Again, I'll give you the number again, but here it is. It's 484-416-5654. 484-416-5654. You can have your voicemail questions answered by me. Let's start with Brandon. Brandon Kerr, off of Twitter, SSH Commission underscore one. My question is, what is the difference between all these tenders and the vested veteran? Sometimes they get me so confused. Thank you. Brandon, great question. The tenders are really for restricted free agents. So what's a restricted free agent? It's someone with three years in the league, not one, not two, not four, but three years in the league. So they're kind of a free agent. Now, assuming their contract's over, the new the new CBA rookie pool has really made restrictive free agents almost extinct because now you have four-year mandatory signings for rookies that are drafted. So the only way you get to a restricted free agent is someone that was cut before their third year and signed with another team, maybe did a one-year deal. That's where you get a restricted free agent or someone that was undrafted. They're allowed to sign three-year deals and they become restricted. You put three levels of tenders on them. You can put the draft round tender so say they're a fourth or fifth or seventh round pick, you put that tender on them. It's a lower number. You have to count on the cap. And then if they get an offer and if you don't match, you get five days to match, then you lose them, but you get back the draft round tender. Whatever the team that signs them gives back, say, a fifth round pick or seventh round pick, whatever draft he came in at the position with. You can put a second round tender. Of course, the downside is you put a higher number on your cap, but if you lose them, you get a second round pick. And of course, you can put a first round tender on them at a very high number. And if you lose them and you decide not to match, you get back a first round pick. Here's the thing. Sometimes, I think this happened with C.J. Anderson when he got an offer from Miami and Denver match. Sometimes the, the other team does a nice deal for you. So you could let the other team make the deal and then you match it. He's yours. Whatever deal he signs is going to be his deal, whether it's with the new team or the old team. So that's what restricted free agents and tenders are. The vested veteran, that's someone who's been in the league three-plus years. You get pension when you vest after three years in the league. But for, uh, for free agency purposes, vested veterans are four years in the league. So someone on a rookie contract's not vested. They'll go through waivers. Someone who is vested, they don't go through waivers. They're immediately available to be signed when they're cut. So when you see the uh, notation terminations of vested vet, that sounds harsh. Why don't they just say cut them? Terminations of vested veterans, those are guys that have been in the league four years or more. Thanks, Brandon. And one more. Let's go to Chris. Hi, Andrew. Chris in Denver. Dumb question. I haven't seen it addressed anywhere, though. Why are coaches and GM contracts guaranteed if the players are not? Thanks. The thing about guaranteed contracts, you know, we talked about Kirk Cousins, whether it becomes a trend. I don't think it will. I mean, again, if you go shorter, more likely to get guarantees. If you, but players usually get guarantees in the early, what for teams, low risk part of the contract, first year. To me, it's like, well, I don't even count first year as guaranteed money. They're not going to cut them right away. So uh, first year guaranteed money and maybe second year. But coaches and management – 
when they sign deals, they're basically guaranteed. Now, they're subject to offset. So if you fire a coach and he's got two years or three years left on his contract and he goes and works somewhere else, whatever the other team pays him comes against what you're going to pay him as a credit. Now, teams play fast and loose with that. And sometimes uh, we had this when we fired some coaches. He went to other teams and they were paying him like $50,000 when the going rate for, say, a running back coach was like $150,000. Uh, and we reported the league, you don't want to get that reputation because what goes around comes around. Same with management. It also gets sticky from a management point of view. I dealt with this when coaches that are fired kind of sit around and don't try to get a new job. Uh, so then you can get into those messes as well. But again, when you terminate a coach, terminate management, it's stickier than terminating a player. Player just goes on. You don't owe them anything. Because, you know, these hundreds of millions that are lopped off with these cuts this week are all, uh, you know, are all non-guaranteed money. So you just say goodbye. Now, maybe you have some cap issues, but no cash. So, yes, for whatever reason, there's more security in being a coach or being in management than there is in being a player. Thanks, Chris. Like I said, I'll answer these every week, at least two. So voicemail your questions in on the Business Sports Pod. 48, excuse me, 484-416-53. I'm sorry. Let's start again. 484-416-5654. I'll answer your questions. Thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Follow the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, RossTucker.com. Give us a give us a good grade, if you will. Good grade. Whatever good rating. I'm too much in my uh, school mode. Uh and I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.